Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, Mike, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to part two of the Manchester United match review. It was so good, part one. We just wanted to uh, come back and do more, Dan. You know, it was it was that much fun talking about a 4 nothing loss opening match of the season. Well, it's the, the hope that blooms afterwards. It's the eventual goodness that is going to come from a absolute slapping across the face. And I think, though, Brandon, we had to make sure that Nick was here to air some grievances and get back in the happiness party because we know he was already the owner of the darkest timeline this season. And we can't have that anymore. You know, we, we need to help uh, the positivity. Welcome, Nick. <laughs> That's right. I'm back. And I'll tell you, it feels good to be in this place, the place I predicted that we would be. Um, the relegation 19th? zone? <laughs> yeah, it feels right. You know, it feels like that's where that's where we're going to be this year. So, anyway, really pumped to be back. It's been it's been great. I did put a tweet out there saying, um, you know, before you get mad, we're not getting relegated. To which they had to say, why? Why? I'm like, because people will take my tweets wrong and assume I think we're actually going to get relegated. 
Uh, but real quick, before we get into the business, Dan, uh, we continue to be flooded with five-star reviews. So fortunate. Yeah, it's uh, quite a privilege and honor. We thank everyone who's pulling out their iPhone, because these are Apple Podcast reviews, hitting the podcast, dropping a five-star review. We got to thank not Kenny Rogers, who calls us the unofficial official podcast for Chelsea Now. We appreciate that. We also had T... Uh, Huntgate 99 and then D Tom 22 who actually is back at school first week goes by coach CFC and he just wants to uh, get a little bit of a shout out for you know starting school again thanks for being a great teacher I love it appreciate you all putting the five-star review in the Apple podcast app it's worth a shout out same with new patreons we had 28 or so yesterday we have three more today JC Dragonsteel and Kate We will see you in the Discord server. And why that's important is because in part two, if you're a new listener with us here, uh, part two is just a deeper dive into the match review, all right? And where we take a lot of our inspiration from for that deep dive is right from Discord. We have a questions thread there. uh, And after every match, our listeners uh, on Discord can put their questions in and we pick out the ones we feel our good representation of the deep dive. So that is exactly what we're going to do is use these questions to get into the business a little bit. And we get to find out what Nick really thought about Sunday's match because uh, minus a few mysterious tweets, we really didn't get much from him. So uh, he was also, and I can speak uh, from experience on this one, he was very hungover from a, from a lake weekend. So there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of tweeting and or much motion happening at the old pub. There's a lot of sitting and a WLT to make me feel better. All right. Well, here's your chance now you're in good spirits. First one is Rudiger plus one question mark. So Logan asks, who do you think will pair up with Rudiger when he gets healthy? After today's defensive performance, I wouldn't mind seeing Tamori get a shot. I mean, Nick, what a better way to start than a huge hypothetical, assuming Rudiger's number one. Who would you pair with him? Potentially Fikayo Tomori? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't I'm sure you guys, you know, I don't listen to this podcast, so I'm sure you guys talked about it yesterday. <laughs> um, but um but I thought Christensen actually played pretty well for you know, for the most part. And I I liked his distribution. You know, it, it seemed that he and Zuma didn't quite have like the connection uh going across and, and playing out of the back, but you know, Rudiger and Christensen played together last year. They they might they might do the same this year. I mean, I would love to see Tamori get a shot. Given what the back line did yesterday, everybody's job should be up for grabs, in my opinion. So um, I just hope, Dan, there's some healthy competition and that we get the uh, the best and the brightest that come out of it. Yeah, I, I don't think Tamori is the right answer, at least if unless he has an amazing jump from his season in Derby. Again, we, we want to make sure we think about how much youth we add into the squad. I think the thing that you get with a Christensen-Rudiger pairing is confidence in their ability to play in the Premier League. I mean, again, Christensen was one of our best defenders until a mental lapse of Barcelona seemed to break his brain. And he's been working back from that. Looked the best of the two center backs yesterday. Although I will admit, looking back at some of the stills that people grabbed from the match, there were a couple times where Zuma was caught three on one, and basically, I don't know how you stop that. And part of that is the positioning of that midfield two in Jorginho and Kovacic. So, um, 
Yeah, Brandon, I, I think it's probably a Christensen-Rudiger pairing. Again, people like Tomori will get minutes, but that's going to come from the fact that we have several competitions we'll be competing in this season. To be fair, a lot of those stills can be extremely misleading. And I know I brought up Newman's screenshots from the game, but I'm looking forward to a little bit more of the video analysis to give us some context. Um, that being said, three on one is pretty bad. <laughs> you can't really get around that. So to me, oh no no they they can it's just the opposing team they get around very easily. That yes that's the point. That's I, how math works though, Brandon. You should look into it. I I Ever only do only do economics. I do not do math. <laughs> um, <laughs> inside joke. Sorry. Um, you know when it comes to pairing up with Rudiger, it really depends. I mean your option with Tamori. Again, I didn't watch Darby last season. I'm assuming he's. I don't know. I'm assuming he's physical. I'm assuming he's tough. I'm assuming he goes into a hard tackle. That's very similar to Zuma. That's very similar to Rudiger. So the question is, do you have two really strong rocks in the back or do you pair him up with more of a ball player? You know, I th- let's also not forget that Rudiger now, in my opinion, has the best 60 yard crossfield ball on the team. Now that Louise is gone. Um, he really did good work in that arena last year. So it's not as if Rudiger is incapable of playing the ball out of the back. He's just not David Luiz. Um, and I think that's what, you know, people kind of have to understand that he is in the middle of the Zuma Christensen matrix, uh, Brandon, where, you know, one is definitely more of a finesse ball playing, you know, accurate passer. And the other is, is just an incredible, you know, strong, really good on set pieces type of type of athlete. And it's, you know, there, there is a balance. I think he's probably the closest thing between those two though. It's true. And I mean, he's not afraid to hit it. You know, what I'm thinking is in the small glimpses we saw, you know, the center backs don't really have to play the ball very far, you know, maybe a long swing across the back line, which all of them should be able to do, you know? And so we're relying on Aspie uh, and, and Emerson to combine with our center mids and are, you know, kind of three attackers. So I don't really think we need them on the ball that much. They just need to get it to the outside backs or the midfielders, and then we can kind of go from there, especially knowing Kepa's distribution. Well, I think the biggest thing, though, is the best pairing is going to be the one that can continue to push forward as a comprehensive unit so that the defensive line is not 30 to 40 yards away from where our midfield base is because that is where a lot of the true problems came in with this match is that you would look at 30 yards of space and our defenders were not close enough you know that was the distance between our closest defender and our closest midfielder to one another and that's what can happen so the ability to work together which will come through training which will come through practice which will come through more match time together is going to help make that better, but it has to be two players that are working in tandem with one another. So again, beyond just which of the two are best together uh, are the best individuals and you push them together, it has to be the two that work in tandem to be the best together too, Nick. I mean, it, it was, you know, and I'm sure you guys covered it yesterday, but the, the Mourinho, you know, block and being compact uh, quotes from um, match of the day are completely accurate. And, you know, this is something that should have been learned last year when, you know, sorry, tried to play that high block or the, or the high press is if you get too much space between any of the three units, the thing collapses like a house of cards and it just can't sustain itself. 
So, yeah, it was an incredibly naive tactical formation approach to yesterday's match. But, you know, you would hope you would hope that Rudiger comes back and, you know, is is the leader that we think he is and also can can kind of be the plus one that, uh, you know, that we're that we're hoping for from, you know, from Logan. But, you know, again, it's it is a unit too. Dan just mentioned the unit. It's Emerson. It's Dave. It's the all these center backs that that have the opportunity. It's Reese James. It's you know, dare I say, Marcus Alonso. Like it's all these guys that are that should be fighting for a place. Um, you know, we haven't seen enough of that if I, if we're honest throughout the preseason. And you know that that's what I hope is you know that that defense has to be better. Okay, so my answer, which I'm trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that it's an investment. Whoever it's going to be, no one's ready-made. Uh, Zuma's going to take time. Christensen's going to take, take time. Tamori is definitely going to take time. So that is kind of my my call for you know patience is that even if it's Zuma, even if it's Christensen, they're going to need time uh, to grow into it and to partner with Rudiger, figure out his strengths, their strengths, how they work together to become a unit. So you know, at this point, I really don't know who it's going to be, but I – just want to give context that I think either way, whatever option it is, is not David Luiz. It's not ready-made. It's going to take time this season. So hopefully we can get the defensive cover. They will definitely need. Um, but anyways, the next one we have is um, a very funny conversation at this point because there's been one match played this season and Derek on discord saying how much patience is the right amount for now? I mean, Dan, we're talking about patience after one game. Is it too early to talk about patience, even though Chelsea are renowned for not having any of it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are the hallmark for what a patient and thoughtful and introspective and reflective club is. Basically like a Zen monk, you know, just sitting atop a mountain for years without uttering a single word. We have the ability to remain silent and not do anything. Um, earthquakes, tsunamis, you know, we'll just, we'll let them blow by. No, no, our, our, you know, people are writing headlines and stories already because that's just the nature of spinning up the, the horses around Chelsea and getting people in the firing line as quickly as possible. I think the patience ultimately should be pretty much limitless this season, given the circumstances, given the immense handicap. I think, the things that I would look to put in place as success criteria for this season, and again, we can only take an understanding what the club deems success to look like this season, I think is going to have to be is have you, in all of this, been able to make two to three players that have come through our academy first-team players? Because a English player on today's market that is a starting player in the Premier League, just look at Harry Maguire, goes for £80 million. Like, that is stupid money. And so if the club, at times, has looked to figure out how to make money and they're not going to be able to sell some of these players or they want to eventually sell them in the future because that has been a part of our business model, that is something that is going to require patience because we're going to see performances like yesterday where we get the opportunity to watch players like Mason Mount grow into the moment, like Tammy Abraham grow into the moment. I mean, the only thing that we couldn't accept is going down this season 
I, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to be where we stay for too long. I think we will finish top four. But I think that's the type of patience people have to have, Nick. Is this the perspective of where we are and what the moment is? Yeah, I mean, look, if we lose our first 13 matches 4-0, color me worried. Okay, color me concerned. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I do think it's going to be a rough August and September, though. And as a fan and as a supporter, as a person who goes to matches or goes to the pub in the States to, to watch the matches or wherever you are, you you have to go into this early part of the season realizing that seven preseason matches and a bunch of upheaval in the preseason, especially the David Luiz thing at the end, is not enough to just roll in and and pretend like you're uh, like you're going to win the league. It's just not enough. Uh, Frank has a lot of work to do, and you know I loved his interview yesterday. I think that he gave me a lot of confidence that you know he he was seeing the game the way that I saw the game without without most of the theatrics. It reminded me a lot of those old school Mourinho press conferences, Brandon, where you know he would just immediately say the four or five things that like. Everybody knew, but in a ton more detail and with a lot more clarity. Um, this this team needs your patience. This team needs everybody to just chill out for a little bit and and let it get ugly. It's like the first time you grow a beard. You have to let it get disgusting before it looks good. And we're going to have to go through that a little bit. So to me, you have to have patience into at least the second match because – Nick, you've said Nick, at least. Said, well, listen here, right? Because it it all matters how you respond. How, what do you change? How do the players react? Do we see progress? As you said, if we go out and get absolutely rolled by Leicester, and then we get rolled and rolled, and we see the huge gaps between the defensive, we see Zuma giving up penalties, we see Pedro passing the ball relentlessly to the other team, you know, Tammy unable to hold up the ball. If all these things continue to happen, concerns, red, you know, the sirens will go off. The red flags will go up. But as you mentioned, Frank acknowledges he saw what happened. He unfortunately doesn't even have a full week of training. He really has like two days worth of training because of the travel to Turkey and back for the Super Cup. Um, we need to see improvement. And so, like I said, at a minimum, you have to give someone two games because you have to see how they respond. And I think that's what owners and especially Roman and fans always look at is what do you do in a run, right? The Premier League, they always show your form over five matches. What have you done in five matches? That's a nice little clip of where you're at in the season. So to me, I think let's get to five matches and see where we're at. Are we seeing progress? Are we seeing the same mistakes happen over and over? And then we can give a little bit of a judgment and analysis in that sense. But holy smokes, like, yes, worst case scenario yesterday, barring any injuries, I've gone on the record many times saying that, but you, you got to give him a chance to to change it and, and redeem himself and the players a chance to redeem themselves too. And, and I hate to, I hate to sound like a, a, you know, an ass hat on this, but like, what other choice do we have? <laughs> like, Guys, it, freaking out right now about, look, an admittedly terrible you know, result from an optics perspective, but not an overall terrible performance. It just makes you look like you don't know what you're talking about. And it's not to say that we're the only right voice out there. It's, it's to say that like, there are just so many 
uh, things to look forward to this season that if you if you shit the bed now and you get all upset, then then I'm going to have a really t- hard time as a fan accepting you when you come in and celebrate later on when we do something good. Like you have to have a steady approach to these things, and the season is 138th done. <laughs> look, there's a lot of time. Yeah, for better or for worse, we will find out. All right, next one. Uh, getting a little bit of steam, Dan, is Jay Wheel asking, is Aspie, and is in Aspie Laqueta, in serious jeopardy of losing his spot altogether when Jane, when Reese James returns? I heard, I heard murmurs of him moving to the left or even to the center. Trying to stay positive, but I think we can all admit he started to decline last season, and today was not good enough from him defensively. You, sir, are pushing these Aspie to left back murmurs personally. Well, I think it is as simple as looking at Frank Lampard's interview after the match yesterday, and he calls out Reese James by name as one of the players who isn't in the squad yet who needs to come back from injury. He wasn't the only name, though, to be fair. He wasn't, but very curious in amongst the names being mentioned that he's talking about Rudiger, he's talking about Conte getting back to full fitness, and then he goes to talk to Reese James. Like That's a really big boost, I think, for the player. It's a boost for us as fans who've been thinking about some of the highlights we've watched from his time at Wigan last season and what he was capable of doing in that right-back role and being really excited when you look at other clubs like Liverpool and you see Trent Alexander-Arnold pinging in some pretty sweet crosses into attackers in motion, you're kind of like, your wheels start spinning. Like, oh, shit, that would be really cool to see that at Chelsea. And you see some of the videos of what Reese is able to do, and you're like, man, that would be really cool to see that here. And so I think Aspie is just an example of one of the players who could lose their position to other players you know, on this squad. And I think, you know, again, we're, we're starting to see, Nick, your favorite word, real meritocracy, come in if the players like Dave, who is a captain who play, basically missed almost no minutes over the course of the last three to four seasons outside of, like, being pulled for rest. I mean, that that's crazy, but that's the type of culture you want to to galvanize the team, to create competition, and to move this team forward as a group, as a unit, into what's going to be a, a up and down season. No, I mean, th- you're right. Like in, I, I don't like a meritocracy only when it benefits players that I like, by the way, <laughs> you know, I like Dave a lot and I know that people have been uh, probably less inclined to, to uh, give him praise over the last two years than I have. I still think he's an outstanding one-on-one defender. I think he made quite a few mistakes yesterday and if we're, if I'm going to chastise Kurt Zuma for a horrific game, then I also have to do the same for Dave, who just didn't show up, didn't play well. It is no surprise, and it should be no shock, that he is not as comfortable as far up the field as probably Reese James will be, or that you know clearly Emerson is. I mean, good lord, Emerson could have had two goals yesterday. He was he was playing the Marcus Alonso you know center forward role. <laughs> Um, for some of that game, but like, if you're telling me as a as a Reese James supporter over Dave that Reese James, as a player who's never started in the Premier League before, is going to come into this team and just automatically play, I think you're out of your mind. 
I, I Mason, do. Mason Mount kind of did it. I, I, I just, that's how I feel about it. And it doesn't mean I'm right. And he could very well do it. Right. But I think Dave still has a lot to offer this team. And if, if Dan's, you know, theory is correct. And I hope it is because I, I desperately want this team to be fighting all over the place for places. Um, then that will make Dave have to step up his game. I mean, he's basically been untouchable for the last six years. He's just played every minute that he possibly could. So let's hope let's hope that's the case. Or let's hope that he moves to center back and pushes these other guys to do more, like or left back. Like he is a flexible guy. I just hope that the con- you know continued competition, Brandon, will will breed better results. Okay. Well, I think. I personally am not a fan of Aspie to left back. I think Emerson, if, especially if you're going to take small clips, it was fantastic yesterday. Well, Sunday. Um, like, I, you know, I think like the team, Aspie gets another go. Like, figure it out. Show us that you've got more in the tank. Show us that you're not going to let that happen. Um, it, and we'll have to see. But could he? Yes. I would like to think everyone in the team could lose their spot. And that's what makes teams better. Uh, Competition for places. We've talked to Joe Cole. He said he credits that the fact of competition for places is a huge reason for all the success while he was at Chelsea. I mean, you've even seen it. They went and got Joao Cancelo from uh, Juventus over at Man City. Kyle Walker stepped up his game. All of a sudden, he's in the six-yard box trying to score goals. That's like Pep Guardiola has gone on record saying that. I don't care if I won the Champions League, La Liga, the Copa del Rey, and everything under the sun. He goes, I need new players because we have to freshen and get better and and, and create competition. So, um, look, you know, I, I think Frank is going to create that competition. Uh, and obviously, he knows that he needs Reese James to do that because if there's no one pushing Aspie, he will, can, I believe he works hard in training, but there's a different level of intensity when someone is gunning for your spot. I've been there. I've seen it. I'm sure most of us have, whether it's at work, um, maybe in different sports and things like that. And and we, you step up or you get overtaken. Either way, it's a win-win for Chelsea. Uh, next one up from Miles says, Chelsea started off well, but do you think overconfidence and pressing got us opened up between the midfield and the defense? Or was our defense just flat out poor and we should continue pressing as high as we did today? So two-parter, Nick. One, um, I don't think it's overconfidence in pressing. I think that's the tactic. The tactic is to press them in their final third so we can get it back in their final third. Uh, so I don't think it's an overconfidence. Uh, so the second part, though, was the defense just flat out poor. Again, we thought it's a disconnection. I love watching Mason, Mason Mount and Pedro and Tammy I mean, Tammy got stuck in on the defenders a few times. Um, you know, talk about it's max effort. You you love seeing that from the players. And, you know, the Premier League, if you give someone time to pick their head up, they're going to find a pass. They're going to find a really good option. And pressing counteracts that. And so to me, uh, I would hope that we continue to press. We just continue to press as an entire team is 10 players, not six potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's it's where the block is, right? If you're going to play a high line, there are inherent risks that come with that. And there are a lot of rewards. We played the whole first half in Manchester United's half. I mean, it, and you had Mason Mount buzzing around. You had Ross Barkley buzzing around. You had Tammy Abraham showing some relatively good movement, I thought. And I've been kind of skeptical of his movement to this point, but I thought he played relatively well. 
if you're going to do that, the risk and and the the tactic is that your backline has to be so in sync that they know when to step, that they know when to drop off, that they are prepared to cover a, gr- a really uh, big amount of ground than between essentially the halfway line and and Keppa. And right now, I, I'm not sure that they're that they're there. And I think that's what scares me. If you play a lower block, you might have some might have less mistakes, but maybe less goals on the other end. Yeah, you just don't. You can't be the defender, uh, you know, like Aspie's case for this match, who plays the one player on side and allows that pass to cut through. I think the other challenge is, you know, when you have a midfield two of Kovacic and Conte, because that at this moment is what that midfield two should be, as long as it's a four-two-three-one. That is going to instill a little bit more confidence in me that we can actually maintain that line, that we'll be able to bring that defense closer because we know we'll have two players who will be able to get back enough quickly to support. And I, I, I do think Jorginho was a little exposed in this match for his pace. And I, I caveat that by saying, because the moment you say something about Jorginho online, unfortunately, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of negative criticism. Um, you know, he did a good job disrupting some stuff around the box, but it shouldn't have gotten back to the box. You know, it should have been something where his pass hit the first man. His pass wasn't in a position that was playing someone into danger that happened once or twice in the match that I can remember off the top of my head. And that's where I think, again, the synergy between that midfield two and that back four needs to be in concert because right now, that is the problem with us pressing because they were getting chipped. They were getting passed through. There were acres of space for attackers to move through. And if you're going to give up that space, you absolutely should lose a match in the way that we did. You know, with, with Jorginho, um, he did make some basic mistakes of not letting your man turn behind you. He was trying to jump the pass and ended up letting them turn and essentially beat him. Um, when you're in that situation, you need to stop the attack make them turn or go sideways. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen enough um, against United. But again, learn. Learn and get better, uh, which is a perfect segue right into Aerith Muggles' social challenge question. What were some new positives from our opener that weren't apparent from preseason? Uh, Dan, what do you think maybe are some positives that we didn't see coming from our preseason trip around the world? Well, we did get a chance to see Aaron Wan-Bissaka last season as a excellent one-on-one defender. One thing you wouldn't have been able to see in preseason is Christian Pulisic sliding by him uh, twice in some one-on-ones. Enjoyed that. That was very exciting to see as just a foundation for what he potentially is going to be capable of. Um, AWB is a really, really good defender, Nick, and I think that was very promising with his cameo in the match after it kind of already gone to shit, it was nice to see, you know, that as a positive coming out in the second half. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I don't really have a whole lot of comment on, on pool six, 30 minutes. I, I will say, I thought that Tammy, although I'm critical of the decision to play him yesterday, I, I still firmly believe Giroux is our best option right now. I thought that Tammy looked he, he looked like he had different energy maybe or that he was more committed than I've seen him. Um, I think just having the confidence of starting at Old Trafford probably probably doesn't hurt. Um, 
but his movement was better than the preseason. I was expecting something a little bit more traditional, but he was certainly making some darting runs. He was trying to mess with the center backs. I think he gave Harry Maguire um, a lot, maybe not more than he could handle, but a lot to consider. Um, and it was unfortunate that, you know, we had a couple go off the woodwork and, you know, he, he certainly smashed one against the post as hard as one can do. But I, I was very surprised by Tammy. Um, and, and that was not something that I expected. Thumbs up. Agreed. Um, new positive Lampard looks great in a suit? Question mark. I mean, I. Wow, that's uh, very insightful. We've reached the bottom of the barrel, folks, on positivity. <laughs> Shane, I just, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's, you know, I love the Pulisic uh, cameo. Uh, I think he had a great call with Tammy. He was better than I thought he'd be. Other than that, like, uh, new positives. Maybe people appreciate William more than what they did. <laughs> maybe. I'm not really sure. Emerson Emerson getting yeah. finding so much room is a huge positive to me mm-hmm. because, again, give him space, give him his left foot, and he is maybe just as dangerous as Marcus Alonso going forward without the – you know, absurd calamities at the back. Uh, you know, Hopefully. I don't know. You would hope, right? Like, I think, I think he still has a lot to work on positionally. But I mean, man, it, the one he ripped off the top of the bar that De Gea had no idea about. I mean, that's just a pure rocket. Like, there's, yeah. I mean, as a goalkeeper, Ryan, you're not stopping that, regardless of how many tries you have. Not unless it smashes you in the face and then it's lights out. <laughs> Uh, Lampard speak from out. experience, I think. No, and nothing. Gosh, not. Uh, question. Lampard <laughs> out? Question mark is the next one. Speaking and of getting smashed in the face, don't don't worry. Logan JS on Discord is not at fault for this. So his question is: What is your opinion of the fans on the Fifth Stand app and other social media places stating quotes Lampard out already? My thought is disappointment in those fans. Uh, Nick, I bet you would love to apparently smash some people in the face over this, but it's just kind of, I mean, look, it's just silly. We don't really need to get into it too much. If you're Lampard out already, you were never Lampard in from the beginning. Yeah. Look, these people should have to line up and take a, take an Emerson shot to wherever it goes. Um, and, and just accept that as punishment for stupidity. Um, I pay them no mind in the fact, you know, this will be the last time we address these morons on the show, but it is just such a short sighted, you know, idealistic, sorry, you know, pro sorry or pro Conte Dan thing that, you know, the, the minute that something goes wrong for not your guy, you, you know, kind of take to the streets and said, aha, I told you been one game it's not even worth mentioning really no but i think it's worth just reminding people that you know in these moments you want to just ignore those comments they're not coming from someone who actually enjoys watching chelsea supporting chelsea i mean you have chelsea's greatest ever player as our manager and all i needed to see after that match was the two-minute interview he did on sky sports where he talked about knowing exactly what the mistakes were, knowing about the things that he hasn't really brought up as a concern in the preseason, the transfer ban, the injuries, and took it on the chin. And I think what we saw is someone who who knows what he's up against, who knows what the solutions are. Again, if we can point it on a podcast, 
very likely that the wonderfully trained and quite brilliant squad that he's put together with way more funding is going to be able to figure it out. I'm not concerned in the slightest. I think all of these are going to be great lessons, and I think it's the fans who learn to go through a tough time. I mean, I think we have really only had one super tough season uh, in recent memory, and that was Mourinho's second coming in the final year. You know, even the, you know, unfortunate Conte season, this Passari season, I, I mean, they still all have been really good memories. And so I think the thing is, bank on what we've done really well, trust the process to steal a 76ers phrase, and just go forward, Brandon. Okay, well, that is indeed what we will do. I mean, again, you're... If, if you're laying part out, it's because you're not basing it really on, on facts or being objective. It's it's a purely an emotional thing with an agenda behind it. And a lot of times it's just to get a reaction. This might surprise some of you, uh, but people uh, are trolls on Twitter. <laughs> Spoiler, sorry. Um, but that's just the way it is. So appreciate all the questions that came in on Discord. You guys are amazing on there. Uh, again, if you want to get your question in, just join up through Patreon and get in on the Discord server. We're going to take a real quick break. Uh, appreciate these sponsors when we get back. Uh, Nick has some goodies for you all, some savings, some discounts, and then we'll talk about the Liverpool Super Cup match midweek. So thank you to these sponsors. Be right back. All right, Nick. Well, appreciate those sponsors, but we have got the goods for them. What do we have lined up for our beautiful listeners? Always have the goods. Uh, you guys know World Soccer Shop, 10% off using the code LONDONPOD. Uh, as you're donning or thinking about donning your new Pulisic kit, why don't you uh, do some customization on us or, or take off some shipping? We're, we're here for you uh, in this moment. Uh, also, Talisman Caps, uh, London Blue 10 for 10% off 35 bucks or more. Uh, so both of those things are just are just good for your soul. We've already had, I think, 20 or 25 uses of that promo code. So you guys are really doing an awesome job. We really appreciate it. Um, and we will have more talisman and world soccer shop giveaways, contests, etc., coming at you this month. So stay tuned. We're just working on the, on the finals. So real exciting stuff. All right. Well, here we go. The, the next one up, unfortunately, normally we wouldn't say unfortunately, Dan, but to my perspective, it almost seems unfortunately that the super cup is midweek in Turkey. I think we're lucky that we, you know, won Europa league beat Arsenal. Never forget. But the timing is just so poor. It's before other leagues kick off, but not the Premier League. And it's in between the first and second match. Shit timing. Yeah, that scheduling is awful. Let's We can just get that out of the way. The scheduling of a trip to Istanbul to potentially pull one over on Liverpool is not something that should happen during the season. And ultimately... It probably isn't planned that way because you're not thinking that, oh, two teams of the Premier League are going to go in and be ready for it. Probably should have worked to move that ahead of the start of the season. Crazy idea. But, you know, UEFA and FIFA just don't know how to manage things appropriately. So we will continue to suffer and we will just look forward to hopefully hoisting the first or second, sorry, second trophy in Frank Lampard's cabinet because we have the prestigious Rakuten Cup, Nick. This would be the second trophy that Frank Lampard's able to pick up. Yeah, it almost sounded like you were downplaying the Rakuten <laughs> Cup there for a minute, and frankly, I'm not having any of it. Um, that's a cup that we won 
and it's somewhere at Stanford Bridge, <laughs> um, <laughs> probably in the sponsor's cabinet. Um, no, look, I, beating Liverpool is a trophy in and of itself, uh, especially this team. I think it's going to be a really interesting game because uh, my my feeling is that neither team wants to deal with this right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how lineups go, if, if it's taken seriously or not. I mean, it is a cup. You, you always want to win stuff. But, Lord, I mean, the you know, after the Premier League result, like, we got to get ready for Leicester at home. Like, it's, it's a way bigger match than the UEFA Super Cup, which means absolute diddly squat, Brandon. You know, honestly, I think that's what I, I'm actually interested in hearing what fans think, you know? Is it important at this point? Like, is it not important? Is this something... You We're know, in the relegation zone, Brandon. <laughs> you know, players players are going to want to go out there and perform, obviously, but it comes down to Lampard, right? And what what is he going to what's he going to do for a starting lineup? I think you know that will you know in a way kind of restrict players if he puts out a weakened lineup. Like, there's not much you can do about it if he goes out there and you know we see you know pretty much the same lineup as we saw this Sunday. I don't know what we're going to do for Saturday because these guys can't play three matches in in a, in seven in seven days this early in the season. Let you know they're they're still getting the fitness to play one a week. So as CTX underscore Blues underscore fan asks, what should be our starting lineup for this midweek match, especially the back line? Wants to know. And in this worthless Super Cup game, knowing that the game Saturday just got more important, need to beat Leicester. I mean, Nick. I mean, uh, Nick the, game, the game's on Sunday, but, well, you know, we're going to. You know, details. Hey, details, details. Let's talk about the starting lineup. As starting with the back line, I'm, is it safe to assume Keppa will play? I think it is uh, not safe to assume that Keppa will play. I think Willie C., um, you know, another another hero, uh, will get the start in what? goal. I do. I don't know. I do. I, right. I, but, I, but, th- but this is a Nick doesn't take this game seriously lineup. Um, and I think for, for a backup goalkeeper, like we need to have, we need to give him minutes um, to keep him sharp. And that's a really great opportunity to do so. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I got, I got Willie C. Yeah. It's, it's going to be kept up between the sticks. I don't think, you know, especially in a match where, the second choice keeper for Liverpool is going to be playing in Adrian uh, because Alisson is going to be out for several weeks, which is very interesting for their defense. I think you go with your strongest hand here. Kepa played almost all the matches he was capable of playing last season. I think it's pretty outside of one or maybe two of the domestic cups initially i don't know if we'll see willie that often and i, I mean i honestly don't hope we don't have to see him because that means keppa is in fine form and doing the lord's work well we have to just run through this i mean dan just finish your lineup i don't want to just hear about goalkeepers well i mean i it was all for you brandon it was really you know goalkeepers union showing out really diving deep into what they're able to do and not do uh i think you will see as Pelaquetta, um, as Christensen, and Zuma, along with Alonzo, I think you'll see Kovacic and Jorginho. I think Kovacic is going to get asked to do a lot over the next three games. He'll start all of them um, because I 
you know, did not seem like Conte was at full fitness. I think you'll see Mason, Pulisic, and Pedro with the thought that William will come on and William will play on Sunday. And then I think you'll see Mishi start up top. All right, Nick, you want to finish your lineup? I do. Thank you for asking. Um, I think, yeah, I, my guess is that Dave gets the start. I think it will be a combination backline of I think I think Zuma has to play. I think he has to redeem himself. So I would put Zuma back there. And then I would also I think I'd put Tamori back there to be honest with you. Um see how they work together. Uh and then I would uh I guess I'd play Alonzo, although the thought of him up against Sala is not good in my mind. So there's that. Um Midfield of Jorginho Kovacic, and then I think your front four consists of Pulisic on the left, um, Mount and Pedro, uh, and then Giroud starts uh, from me uh, just to give him some some quality cup minutes, and, and that's how it goes. But, I, yeah, I would agree. Cameos from Barkley, cameos from – or cameos from Barkley, William, and Mishi for me. So I'm thinking – SP because he's captain, so he'll go out for ceremonial reasons, if nothing else. And then I've got Tamori and Christensen in the back because I think he will put Zuma back in at the weekend. We still have Zaps, baby. We still oh, don't forget about geez. Zaps. So maybe maybe SP goes to the left and Zapacosta plays on the right. I think that might happen actually. Uh, I literally forgot about Zapacosta. Um, <laughs> it's, one, my, it's one last window shopping yeah. opportunity. So, and then your defensive mid, it, um, I think it'll still be Jorginho and, and Kovacic. You wish it was Conte. You wish you could say Conte, but he, he pulled Bakayoko. up a little bit. He'll he play. pulled up a little bit. Right. I mean, that's the thing is like Bakioko and Zabacosta are going to leave in the European window, but they haven't. Is it one of those weird things you call them up for this random match? But the problem is, it doesn't really help the team, uh, except for saving some fitness. So, I it just it scares me having Jorginho and Kovacic play all these matches uh, in such a short time. Um, am I missing anyone on the roster? I mean, there's got to be more depth for those guys, right? Well, I mean, the other thought could be that you play a diamond. Um, so if you did the diamond, you'd likely have Jorginho, Kovacic, Barkley, Mount. Um, and then, you know, flanked up top with like Mishi and Giroux or or huh. some combination thereof. But then you'd almost certainly would have to play. You'd have to play Alonzo and not Zappacosta then in my mind. Yeah, I think. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, but I, I definitely would like to break those two up a little bit if there's any way. But I'm not obviously going to sacrifice, um, you know, Conte's fitness at this point. So it just is what it is. Um, so then moving forward, I would say um, I think I think Pulisic starts now, you know, whatever. I think um, you've got mm, – Oh, Van Hinkle's still in the squad? No chance he traveled. Uh, yeah, it'll be Jorginho, Kovacic. Man, our midfield seems thin all of a sudden. William did travel, but I don't think he's going to play. So I think you're going to have... If he plays, he'll come in as a sub, yeah, which right. I, so I, I think is very likely if you think that he might play 
on Sunday to give someone like, you know, Pedro a rest. And then... Yeah, I think Mount Pulisic and... Pulisic, sorry, and Pedro. And then Giroud up top. I mean, I think Giroud's a lock. But all of a sudden you're looking at this and like Frank's hands are kind of tied on this one. And you're like, shit, this is like, this is not great. Uh, I looked at the prize money for last year's Super Cup. Whoever won got 3.5 million euro. Whoever got runner up got 2.5 million euro. And I know 1 million euro is life changing for most of us. It's not shit for them. Mbappe fund, baby. It's all going oh into God. the Mbappe fund. Anyways, my point is that like it's not a lot of money for these teams. And so, you know, there's not a lot of incentive. I mean, you know, I think we took it a hell of a lot more competitive when we played Atletico, you know, but that didn't go well. So I don't know. Everyone, let us know your predicted lineup. I mean, what else is there to talk about? You can't really talk about you know, Liverpool's form. They've only played one match. I mean, keys to success. Don't, don't make mistakes. Don't give up penalties. Duh. You're going to have, you know, hopefully Liverpool plays their B team as well. You know, like it's so important to not get injuries and focus on fitness. It's still early in the season. It's all about the midfield, Dan. It's, it's all about Jorginho and Kovacic. Uh, To me, if you have a chance to beat Liverpool, you do it through the midfield. Um, If you control the midfield, like City's done to them and, you know, lesser teams like Newcastle have done to them, then you you have a chance. I mean, if you let their midfield have open passing lanes to their front three, that's that's when it's game blouses at, at this juncture. So it's all about the midfield. Yeah, I think if I'm looking at Liverpool and I'm thinking about it from their perspective, they were centimeters away from potentially winning the league last season. If I'm Jurgen Klopp and I'm a Liverpool supporter, yes, I want to win every game, but I am also more concerned about the Premier League. And maybe there's a little mentality shift there that we can capitalize and take advantage on if we go out and score quickly and put Liverpool on the on the back foot. Liverpool's going for it. Don't don't confuse it. Like they've won a trophy. They want every single piece of hardware they can get and silverware. I think even though like they're B plus team, they're deeper than us right now. I mean, we're sadly really thin on squad depth. And I think I way overlooked that heading into the season. And I think this match is one of the worst things that could, that could happen to us right now. I mean, obviously if we would have won the United game, great. We would have felt better, but we still don't have squad to rotate. We still have to play. Most of our players are going to play Sunday. It's okay. We're going to win on penalties. Kepa's going to get us through and we'll lift another trophy. It's all good. All right. Well, let us know what your lineups are going to be. Let us know what your thoughts on this match is, but you know what? That's it. We're going to wrap on that. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, you are the most amazing people out there. We appreciate you so, so much. Nick, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, it's been two pods off. I've been doing quite a bit of traveling. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm back in San Francisco for a little while. So if you're in town, uh, hit me up. Yep. Says the guy who uh, was the Azpilicueta of last season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I was. I easily, I think, had the most <laughs> matches and was a was a pretty average performer for, for most of them. So. That's how it goes. Well, hopefully we can get you featured more regularly this season compared to what we've had. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. As always, tweet at us. Instagram us, Facebook, email, whatever it is. Discord is hopping. If you need a community to talk about Chelsea throughout the week, that is the place to go. It includes our fantasy Premier League as well. It is 
nothing but Chelsea over here with the London Blue Podcast. That is one thing we can promise you. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.